Hey everybody, I'm Pastor Jeff Dawes, lead pastor here at Stockbridge Community Church. And I just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast today. I hope this message inspires you and encourages you. Enjoy today's message. Thanksgiving week, everybody, and uh, there is one positive thing of COVID-19 that I know many of you are uh, proud of and thankful for, and that is that some of your family members have called you, and it's been the ones that you don't like. They've called you and said they're not coming, and you have been thanking God for COVID-19 for the first time. (laughs) Too much truth to that, isn't there? Oh, yes, we all have them. Today, I want to talk to you about Thanksgiving, but I want to tell you, and those that are watching as well, you want to hang on. We have a special surprise for you today uh, that's going to be exciting. So I want to talk to you about Thanksgiving. As we begin, I don't want to just say Thanksgiving. I mean, I want to say Thanksgiving. How do we do that? How do we live thankfully? It's amazing to me how that we begin to change our whole whole lives when we begin to practice Thanksgiving. So again... Today, the how-to of this message is how to be thankful in the worst and best of times, because that's when we need to practice is when the worst of times. I want to give you uh, three things today that I think are going to help you. I'm going to go ahead and give you the first one, and that is this. Number one is this. I can be joyful uh, because I can choose to be thankful. I can be joyful because I can choose to be thankful. And thankfulness is a choice. Amen? Amen? We have to choose to be thankful. Look what the Bible says. In 1 Thessalonians 5, it says this. Be joyful when? When? Always. Always. There we go. Always. Pray continually and give what? Thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I want you to notice this. If you look at that verse, verse, you will see that in order to be joyful always, he said there's uh, two things you got to do. Pray continually and give thanks. So what I want to try to challenge you to do is this, is that if you want joy in your life, if you want the joy of the Lord that you've heard about all your life, you've been in church, if you want joy, you have to give thanks. Without giving thanks, there is no joy. <laughs> okay, there you go. All right, somebody's waking up now. You wonder, you wonder what's, listen, why, am I, why aren't I feeling joyful? Why am I not happy on the inside? And the reason being is because it's connected to thankfulness. When you become thankful, then all of a sudden joy begins to increase. You know, you want a little more joy in your marriage? Well, here you go. Become thankful for your marriage. Amen? Amen. And you express that thankfulness. You want to be a little more joy in your family? Why, why don't you tell your parents how thankful you are for them? And then after that, dial 911 because they're going to pass out. <laughs> right? Thankfulness is the key ingredient to joy. It's connected. This happiness that we're looking for in life is connected to thankfulness. Now, thankfulness does has an, have an enemy. And it has an enemy that, uh, that you may not know, you may not be aware of, and I'm certainly not aware of, but I can tell you the enemy of joy is very easy for me. Sometimes I, thankfulness is something that I have to think about to be thankful. You know, I, like it's not automatic for me. 
But the enemy of thankfulness is automatic for me, and maybe it's automatic for you. And you know what that is? Complaining. Yes. It's automatic, right? I mean, like, aren't we born complainers? Doesn't it seem like that? I mean, even, a, you know, a toddler starts complaining because they don't have their toy or something like that. And it seems like we live in that world the rest of our lives. Complaining. And I would tell you that complaining is draining. Amen? Amen. And what I want you to know is this, is that if, you're gonna, if we're going to move from uh, living an average life to above average life, we have to become more thankful. And what I would share with you is this, is that stop complaining. Stop the complaining. What? Begin to catch it. Now, complaining is very noticeable when it comes out of somebody else's mouth, right? I mean, like when somebody else complains, we can see that. We're like, man, they're a complainer. But it's, we can identify it from someone else, but it's hard to self-identify with because we don't even realize it when it's coming out of our mouth, right? As I've said to you many times before, complaining is like bad breath. You don't notice it until it comes out of somebody else's mouth. Woo! Bad, right? That's bad news. And so it's bad. And what I would tell you is that many of us have been consumed with news. When you're consumed with news, when you listen to talk radio and news, it's 90% complaining. When you listen to the news all the time. And some people, that's all they listen to. Do you know now that the local news comes on like at 4 o'clock and then it stays on until like 8 o'clock at night? And then it comes right back on at 10 o'clock again? It's crazy. And so if you listen to that all the time, that complaining all the time, guess what? If you listen to complaining, you're going to become a complainer. And so I I got some news for you today. Why don't you turn off the complaining news and open up the good news of Jesus Christ, amen, and begin to share that message. It'll change your life. It'll change your life. Complaining is draining. You know, the last part of this passage, he says, give thanks In all circumstances. Not for all, but in all. Because there's things that come in my life, there's things that come in your life, and those of you that are watching, there's things that come in your life that are not good. And and we, you know, we don't give thankful for those bad things. Like we're not saying, oh, well, God, thank you, I got this come my way. It doesn't mean do that. It doesn't mean praise Him for the bad stuff. It means praise Him in the bad times. Amen? Not for, but in all. In all things, I'm going to give thanks. And I would challenge you to do that. One of the greatest examples I've ever heard of giving thanks in the bad times was the example of Rick Hendrick and his wife, Linda. Rick Hendrick is actually uh, owns a lot of uh, NASCAR teams. Like you may recognize this, Jeff Gordon and Jimmy Johnson, Dale Earnhardt Jr. A lot of those names that you may have known or heard about, he's actually sponsored by Rick Hendrick. Well, you know, so Rick is, Rick's done very, very well for himself, he and his wife, Linda. But in 2004, when there was a race going on in Martinsville, Virginia, his, they were already there doing it, and some of his family members were going to come for the end of the race. One of those was his brother, uh, one was his son, and he had two nieces on the, that got on the plane. And as they got on the plane, the plane actually ended up crashing into the side of a mountain. And so Rick and his wife had no idea. They told him that the plane was missing. And so he and his wife went back home that afternoon. And, and they were in their home. They was waiting. And the pastor that told me this story was their pastor. And he said he went in their home with them. And when the word came down that they had located the plane and they had found the, the family and everybody was deceased, he said his wife, Rick's wife, Linda, immediately dropped her knees and said, God, 
I told you that I would praise you in the good times and I would praise you in the bad times. And God, this is a horrible time in my life. My heart is broken and I don't know what I'm going to do and I don't know how I'm going to breathe. But God, I'm going to praise you right now in the middle of this storm, God. You are God and you're still loving and you're still good and you're still kind. That's praising God even in the bad circumstances. Amen, everybody? And that's where life has changed at. And so I have a next step for you today. And it simply says this. It's on your connection card. I will choose to be joyful every day by being thankful. Every day by being thankful. Well, we're getting ready to share point number two with you. But I've got some help doing that. We have one of our next generation ministers coming up. Her name is Carly Keller. Would you give it up for her as she comes to share? Yes, so just like Pastor Jeff said, my name is Carly Keller. Um, I am a senior in high school. I go to Union Grove High School, and I'm also um, an intern here at Stockbridge Community Church. So I do all of the student admin, which is basically just all the behind-scenes stuff to run our student ministry. Um, and Pastor asked me if I would want to come preach to you all today, and I was so excited that I get to do this. So um, I wanted to let you all in on a little secret about me. So my secret is that I am not a natural optimist. Not really at all. Um, in fact, I am a worst case scenario thinker in most circumstances where I see something as possibly gonna go bad and I'm like, it's gonna go bad. It's just, it's, that's what, how it goes. Everything is probably just gonna turn out for the worst. Um, and it's crazy because I know that about myself, but a lot of the time I get comments from other people who are like, Carly, you're always so positive. You always seem so optimistic and like joyful and happy all the time. Like, how do you do that? And I'm like, I mean, I, <laughs> it always blows me away because I'm like, I know on the inside that I'm freaking out all the time. But what I've learned is how I can be thankful in every circumstance. And I wanted to share that with you today. Um, point number two, I can be thankful because I know that God is working for good. Um, and I pulled this right from the Bible. Romans 8:28 says, And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So, like I said, I'm not a natural optimist by any means. But when I look at this verse, I can't help but be thankful. And I can't help to hope for the best because it tells me there's a good God working on my side, on my behalf, for my good in every circumstance. And so looking at that, you get, we get to be thankful in advance for the work that we know he's going to do. Even if the circumstance is a really hard one, even if the circumstance is something that we have no clue how it could turn out for good, we get to be thankful in advance because we know that he's going to turn it around for good. And I found a beautiful example of this in the Bible recently. I've been reading through Isaiah lately, and um, this far in Isaiah, basically it's talking about all of the sins and transgressions and terrible things that the people of Israel have done and how they've shown really far away from God. And because of that, he's going to bring his wrath on them and the form of the Assyrian army coming and demolishing the entire nation of Israel. I mean, absolutely taking it over. Um, the Bible describes how bad it's going to be. Isaiah 24, 3 says, The earth shall be utterly empty and utterly plundered, for the Lord has spoken this word. And it continues on, Isaiah 24, 10 and 11, and it's saying, The wasted city is broken down. Every house is shut up so that none can enter. There is an outcry in the streets for a lack of wine. All joy has grown dark. 
the gladness of the earth is banished. So I don't know about y'all, but looking at that, you're like, it's pretty bad for the people of Israel. <laughs> I mean, it's not just saying that it's going to be empty. It's not just saying that it's going to be plundered. It's saying it's going to be utterly empty and plundered. And on top of that, all the gladness, all the joy in the earth is just going to be gone. There's not going to be a single reason for the people of Israel to have any joy, any hope whatsoever, because it's going to be that bad, this devastation. And the crazy part is, you're reading about this and how bad it's going to be for the people of Israel, and they know this is coming because it's being prophesied over them. And then you flip the page, and you're in Isaiah 25, and it starts out with the people of Israel, and they're saying, O Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you. I will praise your name. For you have done wonderful things, plans formed of old, faithful and sure. What we have to do today is what the Israelites had to do because they knew that what they were losing didn't even compare to what they were going to gain. That God was going to turn whatever their circumstance was around for good and they, they were going to walk out with something so much better. And it actually describes in Isaiah 26 how this is going to happen and that God's going to take the remnant few who are left from the destruction of Israel and build them back up into this nation that is unlike anything the world has ever seen because it's just that great. But at the time, the Israelites just know they're about to lose everything. And yet we look at this verse and they're saying, Lord, you are my God. I will praise you and I will exalt your name. They're choosing thankfulness in this time. Sometimes our lives are just like this. We are facing utter destruction. I mean, that's all we can see around us. And it's in those moments that we have to choose to be thankful and to look at God and say, I can't wait to see how you're going to work this for good. <laughs> because, <laughs> because I know in my life sometimes that I've looked at situations I'm in and I'm like, this is just bad. I mean, I don't know how this is going to get turned around, but that's when we can thank God even more because we're like, the other side of this is going to be a story for sure. Um, Romans 8.18 says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed. And I think this is the truth that the people of Israel knew, that what they were about to face didn't even matter when it came to what was going to come after. Because the truth is, we grow through what we go through. And so when we start going through really hard things, we're just going to start growing. God's going to use it for good, and he's going to use it, our growth to be a testament to the rest of the world because they saw us in that mess, and they said, how did, she, how, did they, how did they get out of that? How'd she get from here to here? Because that was a shift, I mean. And when you look at that, and when you look at how deep we get ourselves into messes sometimes, and then how we're delivered on the other side, that can only be God. And that comes to reveal the glory of God. And you know, I know that sometimes we look at stories like that of Isaiah and a bunch of other people in the Bible, and we're like, yeah, God worked it out for good for them. I mean, that's... But that's why they're in their Bible, because it, got, it worked out good for them. But is he still going to do that for me? I mean, would he show it for me today? And that's, I wanted to tell you a story, actually. This is a present time story, and it's the story of a girl who, she grows up, and she's kind of in and out of church, and she knows kind of the basis right and wrong, probably believes God exists, but is definitely not saved by any means, doesn't really have a relationship with God by any means. And so she grows up, and she enters high school, and she's a teenager, and I'm a teenager. I'm in high school. I know all the pressures of that, and there's 
a lot. So she starts to lose herself a little. She falls in with some pretty bad people. They're pulling her into some bad scenes. She's living the party life a little. And she's in her home ec class one day. And she meets this senior boy. And he's on some sports teams. Um, he's a legend around the party scene because he has thrown some parties. And everyone kind of knows this dude. And so they start dating. And it's their nice little high school sweethearts. And um, it's actually amazing because they make it past high school. So she graduates high school and moves in with him at college. And they're living at college. They're just really heavy into the party scene. I mean, they're just living their lives. They're like, we're young. We're going to have fun. But they're not really thinking about God. They're not really thinking about consequences. And they actually get married, which is crazy because everyone's like, oh, my gosh, the high school sweethearts made it. I mean, they made it. They're married now. That's crazy. But what they don't know is that behind the scenes, um, they enter into this marriage and they realize they don't have the same basic belief system because he's actually an atheist. So now they're in this marriage, and they don't even have the same basics beliefs, so that's kind of hard. But everyone's like, oh, you're the high school sweethearts who got married. We're so excited for you. Um, so they're walking through college. A couple years into college, uh, she gets pregnant, and she has a girl. And um, she actually has to drop out of school because she has to take care of her new kid, which means she loses all the career opportunities that college would have brought her. Um, it gets so bad for them financially at one point that they have to move back in with their parents and um, to get back on their feet. And eventually they get to move back out, but then they have another kid. Now they're like way in debt, really struggling financially. Their marriage is still not good, and they're trying to raise two kids. And in the middle of all that, they get a job offer to move across the country from all of their family and friends. And so now they're in a new place alone with two kids um, a ton of financial struggles and a bunch of strain on their marriage. And they're still just completely lost as individuals. So when you look at that, you're like, I don't really know how God's going to turn that around. I mean, it's pretty bad for them. They're in a pretty rough place. And I don't really know how that's going to get turned around. But I wanted to tell you that this is not just a story. This is actually the story of my family. Um, here's a picture of us. If you don't know... Uh, one of the Kellers, or all of the Kellers, you probably know at least one of them. Um, my mom, Tawny Keller, is the girl in this story. She's actually now the executive pastor of our church, um, which means basically she just runs all the things that happen on a day-to-day -day basis. And uh, my dad, who was an atheist when we moved here, came to Stockbridge Community Church and got saved. And now he's been working in our youth ministry. He's been working in our youth ministry for basically the entire time we've been here. He's serving as our youth director now, and he's turning all of his experiences that he went through into good because he is preaching them into the lives of teenagers and making sure that they don't mess up the same way that he did. And then my sister and her husband, Jaden, who are actually sitting in the service now, um, they have an amazing marriage. I love them so much. And it's so based on just godly principles. And that was um, amazing to see because my parents actually got to set the example in that. Because once they got their relationship founded on faith and centered around God, it turned into such a healthy marriage. And now they're an example to me. And they've been an example to Stacia and Jaden. Um, and I am actually planning on going to school for ministry directly after I finish high school and then doing ministry for um, the rest of my life. So, but it's crazy because when you look at who we were when we moved to Georgia and just the broken way that our family was, you're thinking, I don't know how God could turn that around for good. 
And now that he has, we're on the other side of that as a living testimony of how much God can do. And we're all working as forces for his kingdom. My favorite thing about this verse is that, that God works for the good of everything. It's that we actually get to be thankful twice. We get to be thankful in advance and in the moment. Um, Isaiah 25, 9 is what the Israelites said when God showed up for them. They said, behold, this is our God. We have waited for him that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. So the amazing thing is, that we get to be thankful in advance because we know the promise. We know that he's going to work it for good. We can be in the hard place and we can say he's going to work this for good and I'm going to praise him for that in the moment. And then once he does show up, we get to be thankful again for what he has done. And we get to say, we get to say the exact same thing that the Israelites said. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. Thank you so much for letting me come talk to you today. Um, Pastor Jeff is going to come and close out our message. All I really need to say is amen right now, right? Isn't that awesome? Aren't you proud of what God's doing? Never, ever, ever underestimate the power that God is using working in your life to touch somebody else's life. And because of Stockbridge Community Church, we have the Keller family now that God has done an awesome work in their life and thousands of others. Amen? Hallelujah. That Miss Carly, she's a rock star. So we understand that in order to be thankful in the worst of times and the best of times. The third thing I would say is that we must be thankful because, I can be thankful because I can express things. I can express it. Look at what the Bible says. Colossians 3 and 17. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, or in, uh, do in the name of our Lord Jesus. And look at those two words that are underlined. Let's shout them out. You ready? Come on. Give thanks. Give thanks. Give thanks to God, the Father, through him. Now, I want to say this today, is that why is it so important to give thanks when you don't feel like it? Because thankfulness begins to do healing. I would say a thankful heart is a healing heart. Did you hear that? Becoming thankful again is, a, is an antidote to what's going on. I can tell you that, uh, you know, Rhonda and I have been married over 33 years, and uh, we dated four years before that, so we got a lot of time together. And I can tell you, we've had many, many intense discussions. Okay, you, you track it with me right now. Okay, somebody, some of you would call those fights and arguments or whatever. We just call them intense discussions. We've had many of those through the years. But what I noticed about, about eight or nine years ago was this, is that they started becoming minimal. They was, it was not as often that we were uh, going at each other. And so, you know, I'm the kind of person that begins to analyze, okay, what happened? I want to know so I can figure out, you know, how to keep doing it. The one thing that happened was this, is that every night before we go to bed, I asked her about eight or nine years ago, I said, listen, do you mind if I, we say a prayer together before we go to sleep? Now, you're thinking, well, you're the pastor of the church. You should do that anyways, right? 
Well, I should. And listen, you're a child of God. You should do it anyways too, right? <laughs> okay, all right. I'll just make sure I'm not by myself. And so, but it's, it's weird for all of us, okay? Let's just go ahead and admit that. Like, okay, like, yeah, I, I pray in front of hundreds of people all the time, but praying with your wife is like really, really intimate, you know? But I said, I asked her, I said, Rhonda, I feel like it's something we should do. She says, yeah. The only criteria that she had was is that I didn't pray 30 minutes. She said, Jeff, Jeff, I don't mind praying, but don't pray 30 minutes. <laughs> and so sure enough, from every, every night, this is what that prayer sounds like. We hold hands right before we go to sleep. And uh, I would say this. I would say, dear God, I just want to thank you for Rhonda. See the thankfulness? I just want to say thank you for Rhonda. Thank you that she's a great wife. She's a wonderful mother. And God, thank you that I get to do life with her. Amen. And then she prays for me something like this. Dear God, thank you that you gave me the answer to all my dreams. <laughs> Excuse me a minute. I got I to gotta confess. God, forgive me. <laughs> forgive me, Lord. Maybe it's not quite that way, but, but it, she says, thank you, God, for Jeff. And, and, but what I'm trying to say is what, I, what I've understood is a thankful heart's a healing heart. Yes. And when you begin to express thanks for each other, it begins to move. See, it, it's, hard to, it's hard to be hateful when you're grateful. <laughs> it's hard to be grateful when you're hateful Amen. and expressing that. And that's exactly what we've learned to do together is express it. You know... Um, I don't know if you've done that lately or not for the people, maybe the person that rode with you today. When's the last time you've expressed thankfulness for them? What they've done. Listen, a lot of people put up with a lot of your junk. Amen. And all of us got junk, right? But why, don't you, why don't you express that? Why don't, you, why don't you tell your parents, thank you. Now, after you do that, have your phone ready to dial 911 because they're going to pass out, you know? Maybe, maybe say thank you. Why don't you tell your spouse thank you? Why, why, don't, you, why don't you maybe, the, the people that you go to group with, you know, why don't you say thank you? Why don't you say thank you to those neighbors that, that have been your neighbors for a long time and they've been good neighbors? Why don't you say thank you? What about that employer that's employed you? And giving you a job, why, why don't you just say thank you? What, what about those employees that work with you? Why don't you just say thank you? See, when we learn to say thank you, it changes everything. You know, when our children are small, it's amazing. Like when a baby, you know, we bring that newborn home. We want, they change every day. You ever notice that? Like those of you as parents, your baby changes every day. And we're, where, we're watching for them, you know, when they begin to raise their own little head, you know, and it's like, oh, look at them, look at them. You know, my kid's going to be a football star. Look at him, he's raising that head already. He's only two days old. You know, whatever. <laughs> then, then we go, we move from that, you know, to, to finally they're, they're able to sit up, you know, sit there and not fall over. Like, well, look at that, look at that, you know, strongest kid ever. And then finally they start crawling. Some kids start crawling. My daughter never crawled. I thought something was bad wrong with her. Like, oh, my God, she's never going to walk. Because she would roll. She would not cross. I'd get down on the floor and say, no, this is how you do it. <laughs> Ron's like, Jeff, you're crazy. I know, but I'm going to teach her. Never taught her to crawl. 
But, you know, then they start crawling, and then they start pulling up, and they're standing there, and then they start, then after that, they start walking and then talking, right? It's amazing watching them grow. But, you know, one of the first things that we teach our kids, it's real valuable. Have you ever done this? Like, have you ever, like, seen a kid drop something, and, and they can't even, they really can't even talk yet? I mean, like, they're, like, seven months old or something like that. And you hand it back up there, and instead of handing it to the parent, you know, you hand it to the child. I mean, that, like, like pre-COVID when it was okay to do that. You know what I'm saying? When you get close to people. So, so you take and you hand it back to them. And as soon as you do, the parent looks down at the child. And the child, they look at the child and say, okay, what do you say? What do you say? The child's seven months old, didn't say anything yet. I don't know what, what they want you to say. But the parents teaching that child some two and very important words. What do you say? What do you say? What do you say? What do you, what do you say? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Those words. What do you say? What do you say when every morning when your eyes open up and you're able to get out of your bed and you're able to go to school or job, that job and you have the energy and strength, you can walk. What do you say to your creator? What, should, what do you say? What do you say? Living in 2020 in the middle of a pandemic and you're here. And that you've, right to this point, you've made it. To this point where we, we were told, we didn't know if any of us would make it. But you're right here. What do you say? Thank you. Maybe you would ask me, Jeff, what do you say? Because you have the best staff in the whole world. You have the best volunteers. Your church has the best volunteers in the whole world. If you were to ask me what I say, I would say, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. What, what do, you ask me, what do I say because I get the pastor of the greatest church in all, all the world? If I didn't believe that, I'd go to another one. I've been here 25 years. I believe it. The greatest church in the whole world, what do I say? I would tell you what I say to you. I'd look every one of you in the eye and I'd say, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, and thank you. Everyone, thank you. I don't take you for granted. You're special to me. Some, I remember the 9 o'clock service this morning. I was, people were walking in. I was standing out there, and they said, they said, how are you doing, Pastor? So I'm doing much better now that I got to see you. Because I don't ever take you for granted. I appreciate the opportunities. What do you say when God sent his only son to this earth to live among us for 33 and a half years and then die on a cruel cross to be beaten and tortured in your cross and in my cross? He stood in our place. What do you say? What do you say because tonight when you pillow your head at night and you go to sleep, if you have Jesus Christ living in your heart, you know that if you don't wake up in the morning here, you'll wake up in the morning there. What do you say? Thank you. 
Thank you. Thank you. Hi, this is Pastor Jeff again. I just want to say I hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply go to our website at secview.net. Again, that's secview.net and click the Give tab. We want to thank you again for being with us today. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.